As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone. Arthur Staple here. You're listening to the Garden Faithful, the Rangers podcast from The Athletic, joined, as always, by my uh, great co-host, who wasn't on TV the last couple nights, so I bet he has a lot to say about what's going on with the Rangers. Steve Valiquette, welcome, Steve. Lots to say. Let's get into it. All right. A couple, just a quick, short question, and you can take it wherever you want to take it. Is it time to panic with these Rangers at 3-3-2? I got some really good advice years ago, and that person said to me, it's not time to panic until it's time to panic. And <laughs> <laughs> I get nervous early, so uh, I'm trying to do my best here to keep a calm, composed outlook. But I look at numbers too frequently, and I think that's what really throws me off. When I was a player, Arthur, it was always easy because we're in full control don't worry we've got this we've lost three or four in a row no problem we've got plenty of time until you run out of time but you don't know that that time is up until the end of the season Um, whereas managers they see the time ticking now right now up until american thanksgiving we talked the last time we spoke about the five game segments Right. right and you get 16 five game segments And in those 16 five-game segments, you need to get six out of 10 points. And that arrives you at 96 points with two games remaining. And that's that's why managers look at it, because they're really trying to break down their season. And they meet every day with their coaches 
to talk about this. Now, here's what I see. Seven points in the first five-game segment, terrific. So that means you banked one. But right now, in the three games since, so in your second five-game segment, you have one point. And you've got a loss against Columbus that you should have beat and a loss against the Islanders where you're probably not that happy because you're playing even with everybody, but you're not playing better than them. You mm-hmm. played really well. I thought the Rangers played a really good game against Colorado. So you yeah. play you play a really good game against a really good team, and you play down to the teams that are either at your level or below your level. And then it, it's kind of like you're you're really you're getting through a season on a tightrope because you're not giving yourself any breathing room. So I'm looking at these next two games, Arthur, Dallas and Arizona. You've got to win them. You've yeah. got to win them, or you're behind pace. You're not pacing towards the playoffs. And if you do win these two games, you get five points in the five-game segment when you want six, but you've banked one from the previous segment. So you might be saying to yourself, okay, we're back on pace. But to get back on playoff pace, you know, it's you might think, and people might be listening to this saying, come on, must win. We're we're still in October. Not a big deal. No, it is must win. (laughs) It's a must win. You got to get going. You can't let this season get away from you. We've seen too many instances in the past where really good teams get behind, you fall behind, then you get tight. Uh, There's infighting, there's trades, waivers. It just becomes a soap opera, and you don't want that. You just want to take care of business and start uh, uh, cruising again. We'll get to the soap opera, which was kind of the sideshow of that Avs game uh, with Alexander Georgiev coming back to the garden. We'll get to that in a minute. But whether it's your hockey brain or your hockey data, What's one thing that really is starting to concern you about this Ranger team? And what's one thing that gives you hope that that this is a blip? Let's start with the concerning thing. We'll do bad news first. Bad news first. All right. So the bad news is the Rangers are not executing on their scoring chances. They're getting enough scoring chances. They're getting enough. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit on our show, Arthur, and uh, I equate it to a golfer's game. Now, to get out of your zone in hockey, it's like a golfer being good off the tee, right? And when you get through the neutral zone, it's like having a really nice iron game. You get in in two. And then when you're around the green, you know, you've got a nice, if it's a par five, you've got a short play to get in. So the Rangers are doing those three things. They've been great off the tee. They've been very good being able to use their long irons and they're good around the green. But you know what they're not very good at? They're not good at scoring. And yeah. that's that's a golfer's putting game. If you can't putt, you can't score, right? And you can be a great golfer with a bad putter and not score well. And I'm trying to figure out why aren't the Rangers scoring more because they have so much talent, they have the know-how, and they have enough scoring chances so they've gotten through those three zones to make a play happen. And I think it's this. They have right now, uh, tw- they're 28th in shooting percentage at five on five for the chances that they have uh, that are high danger. Those are the ones you want to uh, be, those are the ones you want to create. Now here's the thing. And this is, this is what gets me nervous. The Rangers last season, they were 29th in the NHL with low danger chances. They don't take a lot of bad shots. That Mm -hmm. was the, that was the whole MO last season. And that's why they had success at scoring. And this season, I was shocked when I saw this. They lead the NHL in low danger chances with 274. And they are so far ahead of the next closest team. The next closest team is Pittsburgh, who's had 238. 
The Rangers have, do you know how many goals they have on those 274 low danger chances? Zero. <laughs> zero. Okay. And the reason why you have zero is because you're really not a long range shooting team. You know, like as much as Mika has the one timer and he can get it from outside range, beyond that, they don't have guys that are coming in to outside of slot area and beating goalies clean. They just don't have that type of squad. They have a passing team. They have a finesse team. They have a highly skilled team, but those aren't the chances. Now, everything breaks down in your game offensively, Arthur, in my opinion, when the message is shoot, shoot, we want shots. You know, it, it really takes you out of, out of visually being able to converge your focus on what's really important and be able to see all of the different options. I think the Rangers are going through a little bit of a, a shooting mentality that's drawing back from the opportunity they have to have better scoring chances. Yeah, and just seeing, you know, seeing on your site, they lead the league in expected goals and they're way off pace. And I mentioned, you know, in my story off of the games, uh, the last kind of encapsulating the last few that, uh, you know, Chris Kreider, he's up around, I think, 4.67 expected goals. He's got two goals. And certainly we've, you can see with your own eyes as a fan or as a as a, someone who watches a ton of hockey, he is getting his chances. Those chances were definitely going in last year. They're not happening now. And the worry, of course, with a guy like Kreider, uh, who's had a very long sample size over his long career, is that if they don't go in, do you see a little bit of drift in the rest of his game? Um, because that's happened to him before. It did not happen at all last year. He was he was forceful. He was scoring. He was playing well at all in all phases of the game. Um, and I think that's a huge help because he does play a lot of minutes. You see Vincent Trocek, who's who's top fifteen, I think, in expected goals so far off of his chances. Who's still still stuck on two. Um, I mean, they've scored five goals in these four games that they've lost. So obviously, the offense is not is is sputtering. It you can best describe it. Um, in terms of the number, a number or numbers that are encouraging to you, you know, I can imagine in layman's terms, and I'm sure that Gerard Gallant wasn't terribly unhappy with 46 shots on goal against the, the Avs, 41 against the Islanders. You're going to get, you're going to run into good goalies. They ran into two good goalies the last two games, but also, you know, you have good goalies, <laughs> and if you're not coming out on the on the winning end of these games. Um, you know, you still have to be able to win games when you face a goal. You can make 40 saves on you. So um, is there something that's encouraging to you within the numbers or, or within what you've seen these these through these four games? Yes, there is. And, and excuse me, but I have one correction to make from what I previously said, which was 274 chances were their total chances. They've had okay. 155 low danger and they have zero goals there. But the 274 is leading the NHL. They have yeah. the most chances, okay? And at five on five, as far as high danger chances go, which are the great ones that you really need, uh, they're fifth in the NHL. So, yes, they're getting a lot more shots this year, and they're getting still the quality of chances. But my thing is, is that when you shoot too much, I just feel like every team I've ever tracked in the past over the last six years with this, the teams that shoot a lot of low danger – they don't have high shooting percentages on high danger mm -hmm. because the goalie they're facing is so warmed up. We've seen that time and time again. And that's why look back to those games where Henrik used to go into Carolina and get 45 shots and win the game 2-1. And he'll tell you those were the best games he ever played because they were fun. You were into them. You had a lot of feelers from the outside. You're 10 or 12 shots into the game and then you get a breakaway. Well, you're warm for it. 
And and that's the difference, right? And look, even last night against the Islanders, I was going over my notes this morning. And okay, the Rangers, they have six high danger chances in the game, right? And refresh my memory. What, what was the final shot total last night, Arthur, for, uh, I think it for was, the Rangers? I think it was 41-29 in the Rangers' favor last okay, night. Okay, 41. So you look at the box score and you're like, oh, for sure the Rangers won. No. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, how about this one, right? Um, and we'll see how chances are connected as well. Uh, go chase breakaway. And, and I wonder right now, too, if the Rangers are going through a little bit of a funk where it's not the top guys getting the best chances yeah. or the top. You know, that, that plays a role as well. Um, but Goche, two minutes into the game, he gets a breakaway. He's had five career goals in 97 games. Of those five, two rebound goals, two east-to-west goals, and he's one for 10 on breakaways. Now, I went and watched his breakaway goal. It was against Carter Hart. It was the exact same move that Sorokin stopped him last night on, and it was March 15th of 2021. Then I wanted to see, okay, well, sometimes you got to match the guy that's one for 10 on breakaways against what's the quality of the goalie that he's facing, and how about this one? Sorokin, 77 breakaways in his three years in the NHL. He's only allowed nine goals. He has the best save percentage over those three years on breakaways. So now I'm saying, oh, great. So now you got a one for 10 guy against the best guy (laughs) in the league. I guess it's a mismatch. All right. So Kako also gets the breakaway, right, in the first period. And he goes through four people, which is just neat. And he gets into the blue paint. And here's what I know about getting into the blue paint. When you get into the blue paint, you have two moves. You have five hole or you have to get around the goalie's leading toe. Because when you get to the blue paint, you cannot elevate over the 11-inch pad. So mm-hmm. he gets in, and he's trying to get around the toe. But again, you're going against top guy in the league, so you get stifled. However, neat to know, uh, Kako, eight breakaways in his career, six goals. Wow. Eight breakaways in his career, six goals. So he he does, and that's why I can see him going in the shootouts now too. You're right, that's right. He went first. That's maybe yeah. people were a little surprised. There's the number. Yeah. That's the reason why. That's the reason why. Now, this will bring us to Panarin in the shootout too, because of his strength in shootout versus game breakaways. But the thing that kind of concerns me about last night's game against the Islanders is Mika has a high danger chance because he gets that broken rebound play off of the Kako breakaway, so they're connected, right? So if you're going to say that the Rangers had three of their grade A chances in the first period of, uh, excuse me, not three, five of the six were in the first period because then you have the Jimmy Vesey chance that comes off of uh, Goudreau's skate in front. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, and then, Goug- and then Goudreau gets a rebound chance off of that. So to me, I connect that as well. Another thing is Jimmy Vesey uh, rebounds, net front, uh, last five years, 36, only three goals. Yeah. Right? So like this is where – the players have to invest in what they're doing and uh, spend time around the net on how to peel pucks away from rebounds to, to, to help them elevate, to get the right distance and timing on rebounds. There's so much to work on here, and rebounds are so valuable. And by and large, one every three go in. So when you're talking about team and you're getting chances, you still need the guys to finish. And then at the same time, you still have to factor in, are we taking uh, too many low danger chances for their goalie to be successful? Uh, There's a lot to get into. But outside of that, what I just uh, brought up, the only other chance was the Fox crossbar in the third period that came off the Trocheck deflection. Yeah. So, So you're finishing the game with six high danger chances, right? And then what I'm really saying here is that the Goche breakaway 
and the Kako breakaway and the VZ chance are really the only three chances because the other two came off of rebounds from those chances. So what did you have? You had like three grade A looks, you know, plus yeah. the crossbar. I don't know if that's a great night, Arthur. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's talk about the one game. We'll try to be a little positive. <laughs> we'll talk about the one game that where the Rangers did play well uh, and played, you know, played up to the level of the competition, uh, and that was the Colorado game. And there was a lot, you know, I think that the fact that that was an ESPN game, you know, uh, they do a great job. No, no slouch to to Ray Ferraro and Bob Wischusen, who are two guys I know for a long time. And Emily Kaplan, her dad was my first boss when I was oh, starting wow. out, when I was starting out. Yeah, um, they're they're great. It's a it's a great production, um, but it's a national production, and it's hard to know exactly what's going on with every team. So, kind of the the background of the Georgiev Alexander Georgiev versus the Rangers situation that we have discussed a bit on this podcast, and I've written about uh, extensively. Um, I think that subtext maybe was lost a little bit in that game, but I think during that game you saw not just a guy facing his old team with money on the board. Uh, and I'm sure there was a little extra money because Dryden Hunt is now there after having been been waived. Um, but there was money. I I can guarantee that there was money on the board in the Rangers room because of how they felt about Alexander Georgiev the last couple of years, which is kind of a funny situation that both teams would have money on the board about one guy. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that that doesn't happen very often. Maybe it does, but um, and it was a game that was played with some intensity. There was there was you know extracurricular stuff. There was you know Nate McKinnon was playing at his usual incredibly high level. Um, and a lot of Rangers who maybe hadn't been playing at that high level played at that high level, including including their goalie. And Shesterkin, uh, other than the brain cramp he had trying to handle the puck uh, that led to the Av shorthanded goal, um, he was lights out. And Georgiev was clearly lights out and ready for it. And and you could see post-game with his celebration, that was a that was a playoff series clinching celebration instead of a game seven cel- a game seven of the season <laughs> celebration. Um and then, you know, I think I posted on on Twitter, uh the NHL Instagram channel posted a, the clip of Georgiev's celebration saying, you know, and they tagged Georgiev's Instagram account and said, like, you think uh, Alexander Georgiev was pumped about beating his former team? And one of the comments was Georgiev himself just saying yes. So, so this is, this is still on. They go to, they go, the Rangers go to Colorado in December. Um, and I don't think people are going to forget. So, um, other than the intensity of that game, because of the Georgiev situation, you know, what made the, you know, was it just simply the Avs came out and played their high tempo, aggressive game. And the Rangers were like, we're either going to get run over here or we got to start playing. And they did just that. I thought it was a tremendous game. I thought the goalies were amazing and the scoring chances were much like what we've seen when the Rangers have played whoever they play right now, which is they, they're pretty darn even, you know, they yeah. play everybody well. And, you know, I guess that would be again leaning towards the positive. They can play anybody. Uh, they can beat anybody. And in the early going, they can, they prove they can lose to anybody. 
So I think that if I'm looking at that game from the locker room perspective, guys should be really pissed off. You know, you, you, you get fired up for these games where you're going up against a great opponent and then up against a former goalie. Um, I'm not in the trenches, so I don't know exactly, uh, you know, every detail in the locker room and I don't pretend to, but it's just not normal for a guy to leave a franchise that he's been at for five years and act the way he does. I haven't seen that's not normal. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. I've never seen it happen. In fact, and not a hundred percent sure what the salute was all about at the end, but I mean, it's a long career, man. You better be careful. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you right now, it's a long career. Guys, I have banked stuff for two years before being able to, you know, be able to have the opportunity to do what I want to do physically to somebody. So <laughs> that's just the way it is. And, and that's how guys think. Um, didn't really get the quotes, too, before the game, Arthur, where... Now he's talking about not really getting an opportunity and Shesterkin coming in and being given every opportunity. I mean, what? I have a hard time with that. As a backup goalie that waited most of my career for a chance, and come on, he had every opportunity to take right. a job. He, um, when Shesterkin missed time with injury, he didn't take any opportunity that he was given and run with it. No, I, in fact, in fact, my overall assessment of his time here is what a missed opportunity for him. He was a really good goalie that didn't take advantage of his opportunity. That, that's the way I remember Georgiev's time here because it was it was his to be had. I remember before Shosturkin got here and everybody was talking about uh, the guy coming from Russia and pumping him up. I'm like, easy, pump your brakes. He's not going to be better than this guy. This guy's been terrific, right? And that's back in you know 2018. Um no, I, I, just, I don't know. I'm, I'm bewildered on that one. I was really shocked, uh, the comments that he made. But you know what? To his credit, man, he backed it up. He had an outstanding game. He played great. Uh, one of the worst breakaway goalies uh, over the last three years that we've seen in-game breakaways. And yeah. he was able to get it together and play well in a shootout. So, you know, I thought when it was shootout time, I'm like, oh, game, set, match. Shesterkin <laughs> over Georgiev, right? So, you know, I, I could see why he was excited and stuff, but man, tone it right down. It's a long career. <laughs> Do you recall, you know, teammate or whatever, uh, former teammate, just the intensity of a of a money on the board return home or facing that facing another guy that uh, that used to be part of your team, where where the team you were on was was really fired up to face that guy. Mm, good question. I have to I have to sit on that one. I, I can't think of one right now. I can't. Um, don't recall having any really bad rivalries like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, the typical thing in the locker room is one of the guys, and it could have been Brendan Shanahan at the time or uh, like Scott Gomez, they'd be sitting there and they'd be looking around the room and, you know, we're playing in Toronto. Like, Valley, you grew up pretty close to Toronto, didn't you? Money on the board, you know? <laughs> You know, you'd go around the board a little bit more, find a guy that might have once played for Toronto, and, you know, they'd say, hey, they didn't want you. Money on the board. And, <laughs> you know, so you try and pump up the money every night. Um, and, it, and it is pretty neat, though, when you come hot. When somebody gets up there and you are in Toronto and you've got, you know, somebody like Dan Girardi that's from the area, I'm from the area, and go through the lineup. There's a few guys, Brendan, of course. And, yeah, no, there'd be a lot of money on the board. But I don't remember anywhere it was, it was, it was for that particular reason. Well, this one at least we'll remember. Like you said, it's uh, it was definitely unique. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's dive in a little bit deeper to to the roster. I mean, we've seen a few changes. Uh, you know, we mentioned Dryden Hunt now is in Colorado, and um, Vitaly Kravtsov back on the injured list, which has got to be frustrating for Chris Drury and Gerard Gallant with all of the the ups and downs with this kid. And now he's basically played, you know, two periods. You know, he's probably played fifteen shifts. Maybe I guess he did get through one full game <laughs> uh, last week, but. Um, he leaves the Avs game at the end. He doesn't play last night. He's day to day. Julian Gauthier comes up, uh, does, you know, for Julian Gauthier had a decent night, but that's not really, you know, necessarily high NHL level, top nine level where you got a guy who's, who's going to contribute offensively and produce, um, you know, how, how is it, do you just seeing Kravtsov and you know, the skill this kid has, and just, if you can't stay healthy, it, you're, you're just such a detriment to the, to the roster, especially in a cap era where you've got to you, you give you, you ha- a guy earns a spot, and it's you know you're not going to make many changes just to make them uh, in the cap era, especially with the Rangers situation being so tight to the cap. Yeah, look, I, we have this conversation all the time as hockey players, and when there are injuries, um, it's sometimes not everybody's built for this game, and and this game's not for everybody that way. And that's just the way it is for some people. And for some people, they just don't take care of themselves and they get hurt. And in 2022, I don't think there's any excuse for a soft tissue injury, a groin. You know, I think these things should all be taken care of because of how well the players are managed now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like when I hear Matt Murray, first game, you know, he plays and then the next day of practice groin, I'm like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> what? Right? Because, <laughs> look... I had a non-contact injury when I was 23 and I'll never forget the game. I was playing against Ray Emery cause I thought I was going to have to fight that night. And <laughs> he, I made a move to my left and my right knee just gave out and, uh, tore some ligaments. I had a MCL sprain and it took me about eight weeks to get back, get back and feel good going down into the butterfly. They say it's about three times your body weight that goes through your knees and out your hip every time you execute a butterfly for a goalie. And during that time, I had met the trainer for the Toronto Raptors. And he said to me, look, you know, everybody on our roster ices after every single practice, every lift, every run, even if it's a bike ride, you always ice, you maintain with, with maintenance, you, you actually take the small micro tears that are happening after every exercise and um, you're kind of taking that swelling away and you're really helping everything repair. And he said, you want to have a long career. And he was speaking to me at the moment with that. I felt very fragile because it was a non-contact injury mm-hmm. and, and I felt fragile. Like, am I, am I that guy right now? I'm just going to move to my left and I blow my knee out. What is that? So I'm nervous. And I really dedicated um, the rest of my career to the cold tub and it was 
34 to 36 degrees and 15 minutes. I had one at my house. I had one in my apartment. I had one at the rink that I would use. And I did it on the road, but it was after every workout, no matter what, always taking the swelling out of my legs. But it really helped my hips, my knees. And from age 23 to 35, I didn't have a single lower body injury. But I don't know if all athletes are paying that kind of attention to themselves because I don't think if I don't do that, that I'm even talking to you right now because I would have been done early. Mm-hmm. And, and the best ability in this game is availability. I don't, I don't think I missed another game for injury the rest of my career, right? So like, I wasn't good enough, and quite frankly, Krabsov's not good enough either to miss games right now. That guy's got to be in the lineup, finding a way, getting into the, getting in there and mixing it up physically and making plays offensively. Um, but you know, he's going through what I went through, like that moment where am I too fragile to play this game? I better figure this out because time's ticking. I, I'm sure that most of us during our careers have this conversation with ourselves because it's it's scary. You know, you're young, you never get hurt, and then all of a sudden, you know, you have a non-contact injury. I'm like, geez, I thought I was a band-aid, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely frustrating and and uh I'm curious to see if he steps on the ice on Friday, what his availability is for these weekend games in Dallas and Arizona, these ones that you, Steve Alcat, labeled must win games, just Throwing it out back out there to everybody, um, <laughs> but uh, the other the other little it's not little, but um, but I feel like you know it was funny. I was uh, talking to a scout who's watched a lot of the Ranger games this year. Last night at and after the after the first uh, Islanders goal in the second period, and he said he's like every time I watch the highlights of this team, he said maybe he was exaggerating. When something bad happens or there's a highlight of an opposing goal or a good chance, like I feel like. Schneider and whoever he's playing with are on the ice. And I was like, probably an exaggeration, but I looked up some of his numbers and and Schneider's been the one consistent. Obviously, Zach Jones has played a few games. Libor Hayek played the last two. Um, and that that pair or Schneider in particular has really been underwater in the red uh, in terms of high danger chances for and against, mid danger chances for and against uh, every game, I think, except one. Um. And, you know, and he's 20 years old. And I think I, I think we all, you know, fans, media, whoever, definitely you fall victim to. You see a young guy who's been touted and, and certainly the Rangers were very happy when he came up last year and he was pretty solid last year. They sheltered him pretty well. Um, and this year, second year, sophomore slump is a real thing, especially for NHL defensemen. He's still only 20 years old and he's supposed to be the anchor of that line and then uh, that pair. And then you're rotating in two guys who haven't ever really – seize the day in terms of being regular top six defensemen who are also pretty young. Um, is it a lot to ask to have a third pair that's that young, um, you know, and, and expect them to be, you know, expect them to be capable. It, you know, I know they're only playing 12, 13, 14, 15 minutes a night. You've got a top four that you can stand up against any top four in the league and they can play a ton of minutes at all three, you know, disciplines, power play, penalty kill, even strength. But you still need to have a full six. Um, is it too much to ask for a twenty-year-old and a twenty-two, twenty-three-year-old to to be able to handle that that kind of regular rotation? I think that what happens here, Arthur, is are they good enough to get the team in the playoffs? Yes. And then when you get to the trade deadline, you make a decision based on how well they've performed up until that point. This might be the lowest point of their season as a pair. This might be the uh, the lowest point of their season. They hit rock bottom, and then they start to find themselves. And 
I think when you get to March, you really assess your team. And, and just like Chris Drury did last year, he's going to have to say to himself, okay, we, we've got the team that got us in. What team gets us through? And then you add three or four pieces. And it would certainly, certainly, even, even right now, if the trade deadline was next week, you're adding D because you need eight defensemen to get into the playoffs. Like you need eight and, and having nine that can play would be best because there's injuries. And I think that um, everything will decide, everything will shake itself out as we get to the season. But I remember, you know, Dave Maloney always said 200 games in the NHL yeah. until you know what somebody is. He's played 51 NHL games right now. So you don't, we don't have a clue what this guy's going to be yet. You can't get too excited when it goes well and you can't get, too negative when it goes not so well for him but i think it's going to be a little bit and for both of those guys can they play well enough through through the season until it becomes all right now we've got to build our playoff team who are we going with because i said i think on our last call there's no chance on the right side they're going to go lafreniere kako and kravsov going into playoffs you're going to get beat up okay yeah you don't you don't do that but Certainly the play of those three guys would dictate which one of them is not in that slot when the time comes to build your playoff roster. And this team right now is better on paper than they were at this time last year. But this team right now is not better on paper than they were going into the playoffs. But you're still going to have time to add. And and you know that there's going to be a lot of work done still on the roster. I would – we also should probably mention that Philip Heedle's, you know, head injury, um, kind of a freak play, but – you know, early in that Columbus game, which then, you know, went south pretty fast. Um, and Heedle was really good in the in the early going. And I know this is this is kind of deja vu for some Ranger fans where he's had good starts to the year and, a, and an injury, whether an accident or whatever, has derailed it a bit. Arthur, is it – excuse me, is it out as a concussion? Is that is that out or is no, it just no, upper no, body? No, no, no. I mean, I, upper body. Uh, upper body yeah, yeah. But, uh, but it does, you know, it just sort of – we're, we're not going to, we're not, ta- we, don't, we don't really always take the official line here, but it certainly seems like the way that he. Well, you know what, Arthur, like I'm with you because when we opened up that game against Columbus um, in our pregame show, we were talking Heedle a lot. Yeah. And, you know, it really dawned on me. Uh, he had only been on the ice for two high danger chances against this season. Talk about defending a center, center, a young center, 23 years old. So his game was coming. I felt terrible that he left the game. Terrible. You know, yeah. he was getting under 16 minutes a game in every game up until that point. And um, I think he was pushing for some more for, for some more time. And um, I think when the time comes, he's going to be ready. But same idea, though, right? Like, can you you can't afford to get injured. I, I'm sorry. It's just there's just too much talent coming up every year. And you have to be counted on and you have to find a way to stay healthy. And it, it's it's the same as, as the Kravtsov conversation, right? The best ability is availability. Yeah. And it's and you know it sort of highlights the the fragility and it's and it's everybody you know I I was talking to another pro scout that I know who's who's he was was an assistant coach for a long time and he's scouting for the first time and he's like this is the first time I can really see seeing all these different teams like nobody can go one through twelve and one through six and you say boy that like that's a full lineup like the salary cap right. just doesn't allow it and so yep. you're everybody you're has all, holes right. And you're always fragile, and you take away a, a three C in Heedle, who's one of the better three Cs in the league. He's yep. not; he's obviously not going to play up ahead of the top two guys ahead of him. Um, but he is a valuable guy to have to be able to, like you said, to put out there for 16 minutes. It's not making him happy, but he's he's making everybody else happy. And when you take that away, you've got to move Goodrow to the middle. That slows down that third line. You're not going to generate quite as much. 
it maybe weakens the fourth line a little bit, although they seem to have a pretty steady rotation now with with Blay and Carpenter and Reeves. But you were getting a lot from that third line, and uh, and now it's a little bit more of a struggle. They did produce a couple of goals uh, against the Avs, and and the top six is like we said has been maybe a little bit uh, struggling a little bit these last three in terms of five on five. Um, but you can see how taking out a guy like Heedle, who's maybe not you know one of your big minute guys, can really shake up the whole thing. And and uh, you know he's he's not going on this trip this weekend, so they're going to have to get through two more games without him. And like you said. They become very important. You know, you, you flip it over and look at the Islanders. Uh, if the Rangers win that game last night, the Islanders have back-to-back with Carolina and Colorado this weekend, and right. they lose those two in regulation. They're 2-7. and seven. That's it. Their season's over. You know, yeah. you, you don't yep. get up off the mat from 2-7 and seven in the in the Eastern Conference right now. So the Rangers have a bit of a, you know, they're they're in one right now. And uh, I think Mika Zibanejad said it best, like, we're not going to lay down and die. You know, teams go through it. And um, I think this team has a lot of confidence. Uh, you know, they have a lot of high-end talent. They have still have one of the best goalies in the world. Um, so we'll have to see how these, you know, and once they get past these two road games, it's four straight at home, culminating with another with another game with the Islanders on election day. So we'll, we'll talk again before that. But, uh, but yeah, this is... Uh, it was all sunshine and rainbows for the first couple of weeks, and here we are suddenly looking into the abyss a little bit. Uh, and when it's not even it's not even Halloween. I, I was in the studio after the first couple of games, and I was joking with all the guys that I work with. And I was like, "Just give us the cup right now. Just give it to us." <laughs> We're not gonna play. They're like, "Easy, Valley, easy." But you know, it's uh, that's the wild ride of the season. A lot of highs and lows. Look, I'll be shocked if they are not ready to play on time against Dallas. I'm, I'll be shocked. I mean, this team. We should see their best against Dallas and Arizona. Have a great weekend and then, you know, take control of your season. Well, there you go. That's the blueprint, everybody. So listen to Steve Valachat. He knows what he's talking about. (laughs) Thanks, Steve. Uh, Great stuff as always. Hey, anytime, buddy. A lot of fun. And thanks, everybody out there for listening to The Garden Faithful. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave a review if you're enjoying the show. And you can subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial. And it's just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash TGF. Steve Valiquette, Arthur Staple, Chris Flannery producing it. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, everybody.